Welcome Lakers and Dodgers fans to episode 33 of the City of Champions podcast. My name is Edgar, your co-host, and I'm joined by my co-host Eugene. Today, we're here to talk about, as always, the Lakers, the Dodgers. We split the series against the Cardinals, went on to just now sweep the Padres in a convincing sweep. And on the Lakers side, we traded Gasol after weeks of speculation after months of, you know, some drama stemming back to last year, we finally traded him. We'll get into all that. But let's start with the Dodgers. Let's start with the Cardinal series. We split that series. Didn't really look too good for the games that we did lose. Gene, give me your thoughts. What you? What are your takeaways on uh, on everything that happened? Um, the weird lineups, the, the offense just being up and down. Yeah. I feel like every every episode for the last three weeks, we're kind of doing the same thing, man, where there's a letdown series and then there's like a positive series right after, right? And, and here we are again with the Cardinals. We go in there and then we win. Um, we win the first two. Um, and then, you know, we let, we let, uh, we get let down the next two games. And a lot of it was on the offense, man. The offense just not, just not really showing up, man. Um, not showing up to, to play. Uh, especially that last game and definitely some weird lineups, some people in different positions. And I think I understand why, because when your offense is struggling, you know, you're trying to spark something, you're trying to get something going. And so it only makes sense that you, you try to mix things up and see if something kind of clicks. But that, that last game with that bottom of the lineup, you know, I think it was like McKinney and, and Bellinger Barnes or someone else there in the bottom of the lineup going 0 for 17 that last game only being able to, uh, I think, manufacture one run total as an offense. Just we can't be doing that, man. Not not at the not in the current position we're in, where the Giants just don't seem to lose. The, the the offense needs to produce, and I don't know that. I don't know what what are your thoughts on that, man? Um, shaking up the lineup like that because on one perspective, I get it. Like you're trying to try, you're trying something different to spark the offense. But on the other side, like I, I feel like we shouldn't be benching our best players at this point in time. Like. All of our best players should be playing every single game unless you're platooning someone for matchup reasons. But there, there's no reason to be throwing out these weird lineups, you know, because our, our offense is struggling as it is. But what are your thoughts on that, man? As a manager, like putting your manager cap on, do you do you want to like mix things up to try to get the offense going after it was struggling? Or, or are you more of the believer of like keep the keep your best players in there and then hopefully, you know, they get it figured out? I'm not a big fan of changing up lineups. I don't know what Doc is trying to do, and it's it's really frustrating, right? Because on one end, this guy's won 100 games twice in the past, what, five years. He's probably going to win 100 games again this, again this year. So to an extent, he knows what he's doing, but there's these instances where he just makes some crazy, irrational decisions that don't make sense or hard to explain and it kind of drives the frustration, right? Um, so, I mean, I'm not a big fan of it. I think uh, baseball is a game of streaks. It's a game of, you know, once you get hot, don't touch anything. Just let it, just let it work. And like you said, just as, we, just as it seems like we're putting together some uh, good at-bats, uh, winning some games, here comes Dave Roberts mixing things up, switching up lineups. 
like you said, that Thursday game against the Cardinals, we got four hits and they came from one, two, three from Betts, Muncie, and Turner. Trey Turner, Turner having two of them. Everyone else went hitless. So you want to say experiment failed because it clearly didn't work, but you know Roberts is going to come back and throw out a, a similar lineup again. I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but minute it starts to cost us big games, which it seems like it's doing now, that's when, uh, you know, it's time to ask questions. You know, why isn't uh, Beatty hitting? Why is he in the minors? Um, okay, so to that point, so you're like, you're not a fan of the shaking up the lineups. So we talked about that Thursday lineup, and one thing Robert did in that, that Thursday lineup against the Cardinals was he swapped Betts and Trey Turner. So he moved Betts into the leadoff spot, then moved Trey Turner down into the third hole. And then he went with that lineup against the Padres, and it seemed to work. Um, you know, the offense, um, you know, Betts had a great series. The offense uh, performed better, uh, especially today, putting up eight runs. You know, I know Blake's now got hurt after uh, just only two-thirds uh, innings pitched. But still, the offense put up three runs, five runs, eight runs in the in the three-game series. So a total of, what's that, 16 runs um, in in three games. So, um, so the offense, so... The offense definitely turned it around. So I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, man. Like I, I agree with you. I'm also not a fan of co- consistently shaking up the lineup, but it seems like this swap here of putting Betts back in the leadoff spot, the spot he has, he's always been vocal about. He's most comfortable in. Um, he has a great series against the um, against the Padres, and he moved Trey Turner into that third hole. So it seems like the lineup, at least the top of the lineup, is going to remain consistently where it goes. I think it, moving forward, it's going to be Betts, Muncie, Trey Turner, Seager, Justin Turner. Like those will be your one through five hitters moving forward, where six, seven, and eight might fluctuate, you know, depending on. I can see Will Smith always being the six hitter behind Justin Turner when he starts. And then seven and eight, you know. Lux was hitting eighth, I think, all series, and he had a pretty good series. And so, um, I don't know. I, I get you. Like, mixing up the lineups might not always be the best thing because I do feel like baseball players are very much like rhythm players, right? They they like, you know, continuity. They like to know where they're hitting. They like to know where they're playing in the field and so on and so forth. So, I get that. But I also, I also agree, though, that if it's not working, you got to try to shake things up. And so, we'll see. Hopefully, this little lineup shakeup can can continue to, to prove um, effective moving forward. But uh, with that, bro, let's transition into this Padres series. Uh, we sweep the Padres. It just seems like we have their number of late, uh, just dominating them uh, towards the end of the season, which for us is a great thing, but it worries me knowing they have to play the Giants 10 more times. So I'm hoping they can, they can figure it out uh, moving forward. But uh, what were some of your initial takeaways from this series, bro? Padres look done, man. Padres look like they don't want to be out there. They just, they look a completely different team than what they did, you know, back in April, May, where they were, you know, beating us and they were beating us pretty, pretty good. Not sure what happened to them. They are in the wild card race. They are, you know, neck and neck with the Reds. It just does not look like they're motivated. Um, And, you know, like you said, it worries me as well because they've got the Giants coming up and we're hoping the Giants drop a couple games so we can make up some ground, which doesn't seem to be the case lately. And just as they get the Padres, and again, let me remind everyone that the Padres are playing for their season. This is their season. These next few series against the uh, the Giants, it's their season. So it's going to be very telling about what kind of team they are. 
Uh, but again, for us Dodger fans, knowing that we need the Padres to win, you know, we're going to be cheering, but not really be cheering, but be cheering for the Padres to pull those victories. As far as what we did, we had uh, Udias with a dominant, dominant, dominant start. Scherzer with an even more dominant start, which is uh, crazy to say because Julio was pretty dominant. And then you have Walker Bueller, who had an off day and still pitched pretty uh, pretty well. Um, and, 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 and so Walker Bueller, seven innings, two runs, bro. And that was an off day. Seven innings, two runs. Right? And that was the worst start of the three. I'm going to call them the three aces of our staff. That, that's insane. That's insane, man. And we've got uh, Clayton Kershaw coming back in time. He thinks he can work up to 100 pitches by the end of the month, which is very encouraging to see. Again, it's a playoff, so we're not going to be putting a heavy workload on the guys. you know. So it means he's going to come out and uh, be effective, give us six innings of one, maybe no-run uh, baseball, and let the, uh, the bullpen take over. So I'm really confident in our pitching core going into the playoffs normally you don't need five starters in the playoffs usually uh four is good and three is definitely possible especially with the caliber guys that we have um just because right you can beat one of them but you can't beat two of them in a row it's it's just really hard and the probability of that happening isn't great um but you know that is also worrying because again you can beat any guy on any day of the week and if we get that playoff game that wild card game and we have to go against either the Padres in a Blake Snell situation or, you know, another team with uh, uh, every team that's fighting for a playoff spot, a wild card spot has an ace. And so we can on any given night lose. And that w- that's what worries me about it. Um, but, you know, good things from the Padres series. We need to carry this momentum into the next series. We need to win and, you know, move in on the, uh, the Giants close, uh, close in on them. It's getting very, very late. It's getting very, very tight. So, It'll be an interesting few weeks. I'm just impressed by those those three aces, like you said, man. And and we'll talk a little bit about them in a bit. But they're just so dominant, bro. Uh, and then Scherzer caps it off, almost goes perfecto. Um, but but uh, other than that, like other things I noticed in the series, uh, Gavin Lux had a pretty solid series at the bottom of the lineup. And if he can, and Roberts talked about this, if Gavin Lux can give us a spark, like that'll be huge because... Right now, Chris Taylor's out. He's dealing with the neck issue. So we're, we're forced to play Cody Bellinger because he's our real, like, he's our best defensive option in center field right now. Um, but we all know Cody Bellinger is struggling, man. It's struggle bus for the guy. And, and so if Lux can produce down there at the eight hole, then you put Chris, Chris Taylor into play center field. And I think our lineup gets deeper and it gets better because right now, Cody Bellinger honestly is an automatic out. He's a great defensive center fielder, but on offense, he's not offering anything in, in Lux did have a, a solid series and then also Mookie top of the lineup again getting hot hitting for power um if Mookie can get going you know the close this month go into the playoffs hot that'll be huge so a uh, big series uh against the Padres happy we got that sweep but you know I'm not gonna say it's not for nothing it definitely is important that we're we're winning and we're beating these teams um it's just it sucks that we can't gain any ground on the Giants man that that is frustrating yeah, it is frustrating, man. And, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll look ahead to the uh, next few series. But before we get there, I want to talk about the Cy Young race. And I'm not talking about the MLB, NL, AL Cy Young race. I'm talking about the Los, An- Los Angeles Dodgers Cy Young race. Because at this moment, it seems like they've got three players who are in serious contention. You know, maybe Julio isn't that high up, but he definitely merits uh, 
a spot, some votes. Uh, he deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, but let me ask you, it's a tight race. Scherzer and Bueller seem to be neck and neck. Scherzer, after today's performance, seems to be in the lead. What do you think is going to be the difference maker when it comes down, you know, for the writers, for the uh, for the voters to, you know, cast their uh, their votes? Well, um, I think I think is because it's so close, bro. I think it's just it's honestly going to come down to the how everyone finishes up the season. Um, I think Bueller's um, the egg he laid against the Giants might have hurt his chances a bit. Um because Scherzer has been only because of this, bro. I think that egg he laid hurt his chances. And again, the only reason is because Scherzer has been lights out, bro. Lights out to since he came to the Dodgers. And he just keeps getting like it seems like he just keeps getting better. And it is a tight race because it's not just it's not just Scherzer and, and Bueller, man. You you have Corbin Burns and he's pitching great. You have um, Zach Wheeler, who's pitching great. You have uh, Kevin Gossman, though I think he's like towards the end. Um, but you have all these different pitchers who are who are legitimately in the race. Uh, so, so yeah. So it's a uh, it's really going to come down to. I do think it's a uh, like a four person race. I think it's it's Bueller. I think it's Scherzer. I think it's um, Wheeler, and I think it's Corbin Burns. So I think those are the four main true Cy Young candidates. I think there's other pitchers who are pitching great, but I think those are the four and their numbers are very similar. So I think it's going to come down to their last couple starts, especially because the Dodgers. So Bueller and Scherzer are, are in a heated uh, divisional race. So every start they pitch is crucial. Corbin Burns. Um, they have a pretty comfortable lead in the NL Central. And then you have Zach Wheeler, who's trying to pitch his team into the playoffs. So definitely um, a lot, a lot at a lot at stake for all these pitchers. But but so let, let me ask you, right? Because I think, uh, and this is going to be my 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 choice, and I'm going to make a case for Walker Bueller as a Cy Young, even with the great start by Scherzer today, even with him joining the congratulations to him joining the uh, 3,000 strikeout club, which I think only 19 other guys. Uh, have the uh, distinct honor of being a part of. Walker Bueller, if there's one statistic that he leads in, it's quality starts. He has 25 of them this season. Now, from the contenders that you just named, the next closest is Max Scherzer, or Zach Wheeler with 18, and then Max Scherzer with 17. So both of those guys, seven and eight quality starts behind them. So what does that tell you? What is a quality start? A quality start basically means that every time you're out there, you're going out there and you're pitching well for a longer amount of time. I think the uh, the cutoff is finishing six. I innings. think it's six. I think it's six. Yeah, yeah. finishing six, uh, going through, you know, and going into seven innings, right? Now, if we look at analytics, sabermetrics, uh, where do pitchers begin to fall apart, right? Where does Kershaw, where has he historically began to fall apart? It's that seventh inning, right? And I mean, there's many different reasons. It could be that it's your third time through the lineup. Um, it could be fatigue, losing velocity on your pitches. It could be, you know, that guy's just, are they're catching up, right? They're catching up to your, your pitches, what you're throwing. And so 
for Walker Bueller to have the ability night in and night out to go into those innings and pitch well in those innings and not fall apart in those innings, I think makes him stand out the most, right? These are the high leverage innings. These are the most important innings for a pitcher and he's going into them and he's dominating them. And that's not something you can say about a lot of other guys. You know, they're not getting the quality starts. It means that they're going shorter or they're throwing shorter games. They're throwing less pitches. And therefore, they're getting more rest. They're not pushing themselves as hard. They're not going through the crucial part of the lineup. Maybe they're not facing the lineup for the third time. And that's a big advantage, especially when it comes down to ERA and whip, right? And the fact that Bueller is going up against the lineup for a third time, the fact that he is going up against fatigue in the later innings and he can still prevail and come out as one of the best pitchers, no one can touch him right now, in my opinion. Yeah, so um, I don't disagree with you. And and I feel, so I mentioned that there's four pitchers who I feel are truly in the race. And I think Zach Wheeler is a distant fourth just because his ERA is like 2.8, right? And I think I think ERA is a is a huge stat, and so I think he's a distant he's a distant fourth. So if you look at the three, these these are the three legit like it's going to come down to one of these three. It's going to be Scherzer, Burns, or or Bueller. And Bueller has 186 innings pitched. Uh, I think Corbin Burns has 152, and then Scherzer has uh, I think like 150 154. So Bueller has legit 34 more innings pitched than both of those guys. And that's like, what, bro? That if he pitches six six innings per start, that's five more starts. He has five more starts than than both of those guys, and his ERA is still right there. His WHIP is still right there with theirs. The one separating stat when you compare all three is strikeouts. Bueller is not striking out as many hitters as Scherzer and and Burns. They both have two hundred and ten strikeouts. And Bueller, I think, has like 185, 189. So he is, and he's pitched more innings and he has more starts, but he's further behind in strikeouts. He has a higher war, too, than both of those guys. So again. Yeah. And and so, and, and for me, I think that's a huge part of being Cy Young. It, it's not just pitching, you know, every start, but it's putting your team in the best position to win every start. And like you said, he has those, all those quality starts. That's six innings. And no more than three runs, which will always put your team in a position to win. So he is definitely, in my opinion, he is a Cy Young. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll see, man. You know how these, you know how these, uh, these baseball and just all sport awards go, man. It's a popularity contest, and um, you know, we'll see if they show Bueller love. Um, you know, Corbin Burns uh, threw eight no hit innings the other day. Scherzer threw. Um, you know, eight one hit innings today. And so I think Bueller needs to keep pace moving forward. Um, I do think that start against the Giants hurt him just statistically, you know, because you have Burns and Scherzer who are pitching incredible right now. And so for Bueller to be able to get the Cy Young, he needs to keep up. Every start needs to be a, an amazing start. And, and, and to me, he's been doing it all year. So that, that, that he gets my vote as well. But I do think I think there's a legit legitimate argument. I think there's a legit argument for for Burns and Scherzer as well. But for me, if I was voting and I'm looking at all the data, all the stats and everything like that, the two the two stats that would stick out to me is one, the fact that Bueller 
has thrown more innings, which means he's there every start, which means he's more valuable to his team and he's showing up every day. And then two, it's not that just that it's not just that he's showing up, but he's great every time he pitches 25 quality starts. He's that that means 25 games. He's put his team in a position to win. And that to me is huge. And I think that's the separator. It's easy, you know, because let's say Scherzer had five more starts. Let's say Corbin Burns had five more starts. Who's to say their ERA doesn't go up to 2.6, 2.5, 2.7, more like Zach Wheeler, 2.8. That's definitely a possibility, right? In those five starts, you could lay a couple eggs. And so I, it's, uh, you know, I think the fact that he's so elite with that many innings speaks, speaks volumes in his, uh, Cy Young case. But, um, with that being said, we talked about like Julio Urias and should he get, you know, some consideration for the Cy Young? My answer is no. And the reason I say no is he is he's pitching great. This is his first great season, full season as a starter, as a Dodger. He is pitching amazing. But there is some great pitchers in the National League right now. And Julio's not even in the conversation, man. He, you know, like I said, we have three legit guys who can win. Burns, Bueller, or Scherzer. Then you have Wheeler fourth. You have Gosman there as well. You know, I think Wainwright's pitching better than Julio this year. So Julio... Again, having a great season, but if you look like at his stats, he's tenth in, in in ERA, ninth in WHIP, seventh in um, uh, fielding uh, independent um, or, or FIP, um, tenth in, in OB opponent batting average. Uh, he's first in wins and seventh in, in WAR. He's not even top five besides wins, you know. And we know wins. While it's a it's cool to win games, that really depends on your offense if you're going to be winning games. So. Um, great season by him. I hope he can keep it up and continue to get better, but there is dudes who are pitching much better than him. Yeah, man. And, uh, I think it puts him in a position, you know, next year, in the next few years to be one of those guys though, to be in the conversation, right? He might not get, I think he'll get some votes. Um, not many. I think he'll, he'll get some, um, but it does put him in a good spot to, uh, to, uh, win it in the next few years. And uh, a lot of critics, you know, they, especially the analytics guys, they'll tell you that uh, Dodger Stadium suppresses runs and therefore Julio has an advantage in, you know, in pitching. And that's why his numbers are so good. Um, right? But that's not true. It, it's not true, right? It's not true because his record on the road is 12 and two and he's got like a 1.8 ERA. It's pitching at home that gives him trouble. So that completely debunks that theory. Julio on the road is an elite pitcher. Julio without those three botched, starts is in the conversation to be the Cy Young. Um, but again, you can't take those away. They're there. They're on the record. And uh, you just hope that he keeps it up this year and picks it up uh, next year and hopefully inserts himself into the conversation. Um, but we'll see. But let's uh, let's let's look uh, at the f- next few uh, weeks at the, the schedule, what's coming up for the Dodgers. Um, we've got Arizona. We've got Clayton Kershaw coming back tomorrow. The GOAT is coming back. He will be back. I'll say it again. He will be back. We're looking good for the playoffs, right? We've, you know, we've got that wild card game that we might have to play, but we are looking strong for the playoffs. What are your thoughts? Do you think, uh, I mean, at this point, I really think it just comes down to can the Giants lose? And that's a big question mark. And yeah, and they're not losing. <laughs> <laughs> They're not losing, man. Um, but uh, looking forward, Arizona, we can't keep the pattern of 
of one good series, one bad series, man. We we have to just continue to play well. Um, so we need to sweep Arizona. There's no reason we shouldn't sweep them. Then we got Cincinnati, who's a hungry team scratching for their wild card life. So we got to take care of business there. Um, I, I, I'm excited to see Clayton Kershaw back. You know, he should be picking up the start tomorrow. We just got Tony Gonsolin back against the Cardinals, which moved David Price into the bullpen. So that's great. Um, and like you said, we are looking good for the playoffs. I'm curious to see how that shakes out, man. Um, is, is Kershaw good to start or does, you know, does he need to come out of the bullpen in the playoffs? Cause who they bump to the bullpen? Like, I don't see how Kershaw jumps, um, Udius in the rotation. I think they're going to go um, Bueller, Scherzer, Udius in the playoffs. So that makes Kershaw the fourth starter. So how do they use him in the playoffs? Um, how do they use, if they keep Gonsolin, how do they use Gonsolin in the playoffs? Um, you know, I was looking forward to Danny Duffy in the playoffs. I thought he would have been huge. And I was thinking like that Julio Udius type role, but he just got, he's done. He's done for the season. He just got shut down. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we got to keep winning games. We got to keep pace with the Giants and surpass them. Um, but also got to start looking at like what what does our team look like in the playoffs? That's uh, that's going to be huge. It's going to be interesting, man. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back to talk, you know, Dodgers with everyone after we um, after we have those series against the Cardinals in the and the Reds. And hopefully we, um, you know, we just sweep both series and the Giants drop a game or two. and We can gain some ground. Who did the Giants got coming up, bro? Padres, man. Padres, Padres, Padres. Wait, both series? Let's let's look up their schedule. And they're playing seven games straight. They got the Padres and the Braves. So that's a tough week for them. So this is a huge week for us to gain some ground. So huge. we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Huge week. But let's uh let's talk Lakers. Um we've got, you know, some pretty big news. Not I mean, for the offseason, it's pretty big news, but Gasol was traded. Uh we'll get into that as soon as we take a break. All right, City of Champion podcast listeners, it's time to talk about your Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, as Edgar mentioned, we uh, we got a trade. We got a trade to discuss. Uh, Marcus Saul has been traded to the Memphis Grizzlies, to the team he came up with, the team he had a great uh, great career with, one defensive player of the year with. He's been traded there, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be staying there. looks like he will get waived and uh, eventually go back to Spain to finish his career. Uh, Lakers did have to, um, attach some cash and a second round pick to be able to, to move him. Um, and in, in return, they got the, the right to, um, don't remember the player's name, some guy in China that we'll probably, uh, never see, but, um, yeah, so the, uh, the move we, we saw coming with the DeAndre Jordan pickup, but it also opens up a roster spot, but, um. Edgar, your thoughts, your reactions on this trade. I know it's nothing huge, but there are some implications for it. So what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I like the trade, right? It's uh we needed to get rid of Gasol. His it just it seemed like he didn't want to be in Los Angeles. Um it all stems back to last year when Drummond was promised the starting role and Gasol was demoted, then he took some you know, offense to that, and he just wasn't the the, the same player. Um, so it, it's something that needed to happen. It's good for us because we do get some uh, tax relief. We do get a, a trade exception return that we can use this year. We get some flexibility in terms of uh, making moves. Not much, but it definitely makes it possible. It's a lot different than you know being hard capped, for example. So I, I like this. I think it um, 
again, gives us that flexibility. And when you get towards the end of the year, towards the trade deadline, flexibility is good. Flexibility allows you to make those last minute moves, um, get, you know, sign those buyout players from other teams. So I, I like it. I'm all for it. Uh, we save money. We we, we get uh, that trade exception. We get some flexibility. How about you? What, what were your thoughts on that? Eh, like it's 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 whatever, bro. Um, this tells me that Gasol didn't want to play anymore. That tells me that he didn't want to be in the states anymore. This tells me that he wanted to to go to Spain because I think you and I both agree that Gasol's the better the better player between him and DeAndre Jordan. The better the better fit for what we were looking for, like, you know, uh, bringing something different on the offensive end. So I think trading him was more of just a, a way to, a, one, because the Lakers weren't going to waive him because that, that money stays on the books. So they they weren't going to do that. They needed to get off of his money, so they were going to trade him. So I think it's more of just doing him uh, doing him a favor while also Memphis doing the Lakers a favor. Um, you know, everyone gets a little bit, of, little bit of something out of it. It's a win-win-win for everyone. Um but I'm curious about this roster spot, this 14 spot. Um, we got two centers now. We got DeAndre Jordan. We got um, Dwight Howard. You know, at the four, we got various options. We got AD, obviously. We got LeBron who could play some four. We got Ariza who could play some four. We got Melo who can play some four. At the three, we can throw Ariza there. We can throw LeBron there. We could throw Bazemore there, THT. At the, we have a ton of guards. We have, you know, Kendrick Nunn, Malink Monk, Wayne Ellington, we have uh, Russell Westbrook. We have Rajon Rondo. So, just curious to see what direction they'll they'll go with this um, this uh, last roster spot. Some names that have been mentioned and attached to that last roster spot. Uh, James Ennis has been everywhere. Feels like all off season, you know, attached to the Lakers. And then Wesley Matthews, who was just there last year. You know, these are two guys that can shoot the three ball pretty well. Can play the three. Can play the wing. Um, Matthew's the better defender though. And it's the, the bigger player, you know, six, six longer wingspan, I think like six, 10, six, 11 wingspan. Um, yeah. What are your, what, what are your thoughts? What do you think the Lakers need for this last roster spot? Does it even matter to you? What are your thoughts on that? Honestly, it doesn't matter. I think they should just leave it open again. Flexibility is the name of the game. Um, it's a game of inches. So maybe, you know, you hold your cards and, uh, you wait for the trade deadline to add someone, um, Wait to see who gets uh, bought out, pick up someone's contract. Uh, so, again, I, I like the flexibility. I think it's a lot better um, to leave those possibilities open than to, you know, pay a guy to sit on the bench, especially when you're, you know, the money that you give away at this point is going to be worth more because of the tax, right? Um, Five million might be worth uh, 10 million, um, even though it doesn't count as 10 million. So, I just don't think we need anything. I know people think we need a wing, but THT is there. He's going to cover that role pretty well. Like you said, Matthews has what a wingspan of 6'10". THT has a wingspan of like 7'1", 7'2", so it's a lot longer. He may be shorter by an inch or two, an inch and a half maybe, but he makes up for it with those long arms and those big hands. Um, so, you know, I'm not worried about making another pickup. I don't think we need a wing. I think we have the team that we want. I think you keep it this way so that everyone gets the playing time that they deserve and no one starts complaining or we don't have some drama in the middle of the year because some guy feels like he's being slighted. It sounds ridiculous, but it does happen. Let's just go and uh, let's run. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, there's also the there's also the possibility that the Lakers just bring in one of their G League guys that has a, a good roster um, or a good uh, training camp. You know, the Lakers could keep a, a 14th and the 15th roster spot open. You know, they could bring in Austin Reeves, Shondi Brown, 
Um, Ayayi, Mac McClung? you know. Nah, fuck Mac McClung, bro. <laughs> He's going to the G League. Hopefully not Mac McClung. But they could keep the roster spot open to keep training camp competitive. And maybe one of these guys earns a spot on the actual roster. He gets promoted from the G League. Uh, you know, who who knows? I, I've, I've thought since they picked him up and invited him to training camp, I've thought Shondi Brown was an intriguing prospect. So we'll see, man. But I'm not, like I said, I'm not tripping. And you know what? It might be, it might be best that we just give that last roster spot to a young guy, not a veteran who, you know, is thinking about playing time, not a veteran who's thinking about their next roster spot. You know, it might be just best for team culture to bring in a young guy who's here to learn and is hungry and could push the veterans in practice and, you know, will always stay hungry and play hard. But we'll kind of see, we'll see the way that goes. Um, last little bit of Lakers news. Uh, John Lucas III has been added to the coaching staff. Uh, previously coached in Minnesota, previously coached their summer league teams. Seems like he's more on the uh, player development side of things, similar to uh, Phil Handy, which makes me wonder, do they, you know, expect Phil Handy to do a little bit more in regards to the actual, like, you know, um, like game planning and, and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how the coaching staff shakes out. Um, still was waiting to see if the, you know, Lakers would hire an offensive coordinator type coach because I do think Frank Vogel needs help on that end. You know, maybe Phil Handy can help on that end. Maybe John Lucas can help on that end. You know, also David Fisdale. Um, but we'll see, man. But, you know, happy to see the Lakers filling out their coaching staff. Happy that they brought in someone with player development, uh, especially with the, you know, you know, with some of the young guys we got on two-way contracts, you know, uh, Ayayi and uh, and Reeves and then Shondi Brown also, you know, um, Phil Handy and John Lucas will both play an important role there. But that's all we really got with the Lakers. Uh, you know, not too much going on. Training camp about three weeks away, um, if not less. Uh, season's right around the corner. We'll be on the lookout for it, see what the Lakers do with the rest of these roster spots. But any closing thoughts on that, Edgar? No, man, just... Uh ready to get the season going, ready to get started, um, ready to see what Russell Westbrook wears to the game every night. It's going to be entertainment. <laughs> um, outside of that, no, man. Looking forward to, to the season starting. Looking forward to the last few games uh, the Dodgers are going to play. Let's go. All right. Well, uh, thank you, uh, listeners, for hanging out with us. Thank you for the love and support. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at underscore City of Champs. Make sure you're following us on um, or subscribe to us on um, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And uh, just make sure you're checking out our merch on the Gear Up LA store. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. And we'll be right back with you next week after um, the Dodgers 2 Series and uh, to catch you up on any Lakers news. All right, y'all. Peace.